0: You'd like to know what I believe is the most exciting and profoundly effective antioxidant. Hi, this is Dr. Mercola, helping you take control of your health, and today I am joined by Tyler W. LeBaron. He is a literally world-class expert in molecular hydrogen. And he did his initial training out in Nagoya University, did his internship out there, and spent a lot, obviously in Japan, where most of all this research was done. And the reason why you probably haven't heard of it, because it's relatively new. Most of the, 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 the landmark papers only came out 10 years ago. So this, and most of the science is in Japan, as I say, so it's, it's relatively new. But you are going to be fascinated with the information that Tyler has share today. So welcome and thank you for joining us today Tyler.
1: Well thank you for having me. I'm glad to share the research in molecular hydrogen.
0: Yes and now uh, what I neglected to mention is that also you are, uh, what is your, associated with the, the <laughs> yeah, Molecular, molecular hydrogen, hydrogen Foundation. And,
1: and Institute, yes. Yeah. An so, so we're we're a science-based nonprofit. Mm-hmm. We don't sell or represent any products but our mission, our focus is to advance the research and the education and the awareness of hydrogen as a therapeutic medical gas. Mm -hmm. That's that's what we need, that's what we're interested, that's what we do at at our organization. And what
0: is your position
1: there? I'm the executive director. I'm also director of several other nonprofit organizations such as the International Hydrogen Standards Association where we're working to actually create the standards for the ISO criteria for measurement of hydrogen gas. It's even in all of the scientific research for marine biology or other areas for measuring hydrogen, there's actually no official standard. So we're looking to make the actual standards as well as those for hydrogen products so that consumers can know well, what is, could be considered a therapeutic type product or not. I'm also director for the International Molecular Hydrogen Association mm-hmm. and we're we also I'm also involved with the International uh, Society of Medical Hydrogen Research and Biology. All right, so you're you're so at the leading
0: forefront of all these organizations. <laughs> but let's get into the into the into the uh, depths now and, and explain what hydrogen is. Well, before we start, that it might be explained what it's not, because there's a lot of confusion about hydrogen with respect to it being hydrogen ions or pH. Oh, sure. So let's clear up that first, and then we'll, well then we'll expand on the hydrogen and go on what what its benefits are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first, when we talk about molecular hydrogen, it's just diatomic hydrogen, H2 gas. It has nothing to do with... Uh, Two
0: hydrogen atoms. Correct. Combined. Combined together. Which is the together. smallest molecule it's in the universe.
1: Smaller than oxygen.
0: Yes. Oh, by load. Yeah.
1: So, so that's why it's so bioavailability. It's, it's, it's very small. It's neutral, so it's not an ion. It has nothing to do with uh, pH, for example. It will not change the pH of water or the pH of your body. So it has nothing to do with the the claimed alkaline concept, if you will. So it's just hydrogen gas. Mm-hmm. It's, it's three times more energy dense than gasoline. So that's why it's being looked at as an alternative energy source or fuel. It's, it's what powers the sun and fusion in producing helium. Mm -hmm. This is the hydrogen we're talking about, and we're seeing it can also be therapeutic, effective, whether you inhale it, dissolve it in water and drink it, or other methods of its application.
0: Okay, so how did you first become aware of this and and start your journey on becoming a world-class expert in this area?
1: Well, with the hydrogen gas, it was in 2009, and I came across an article published in Nature Medicine Mm -hmm. And this was significant because Nature Medicine is one of the more reputable or prestigious mm-hmm. scientific journals. And this article showed that hydrogen was effective at preventing the, uh, the brain damage the, from ischemia reperfusion induced by middle cerebral artery occlusion in an animal model. So, so basically they just, they just cut the blood supply to the brain and mm-hmm. that caused brain damage. But inhalation of only 2% hydrogen gas, which is below the flammability level, was effective at suppressing the brain damage and, and had great effects in, in the model. And so when I came across this article, I thought, you know, this is really interesting. And, and, and it was, and, and I wasn't, you know, this was a long time ago, and I wasn't an expert or, or and I'm not an expert by any means, There's it, so much more to learn, but, but I didn't have a, a strong understanding of biochemistry, but there was something that hit me when I read that article that I needed to look into this. Mm-hmm. This is, this is kind of my future. This is what I needed to do. And I took it from there and was able to read all the research, all the literature, and continue mm-hmm. uh, advancing in this area. And then later, as you mentioned, go to Japan. And now I'm, I'm able to c- c- uh, work with and collaborate with some of the top researchers around the world in this. So I, I feel very fortunate to, to be involved in this emerging area of hydrogen gas. Yeah, and what's
0: uh, sparked your interest in that, right? because did you have a degree well, well, in chemistry just, at the time? Yeah, or? well
1: I was, I was actually getting my degree in biochemistry at okay. the time, right. and, and, but I've always been interested in, in health, in wellness, and exercise performance, all of these things my whole life, I've always loved that, um, and then I came across this, something that's safe, something that's natural, something that's easy to use, and could be rather scientific. So it fit every category that I've been interested in since a very young age. I mean, we're talking elementary school mm-hmm. when I started reading or looking into this kind of stuff just out of curiosity. So it, it hit on all cylinders. The small molecule is a very big molecule in my life. Yes, indeed. And
0: you mentioned your passion about health and exercise, as as I certainly was and, and am continue to be. But you know, you are a shining example of applying this information and getting pretty significant benefits and and you're kind of modest, so I'm just going to say right now that, you know, you may not look like it, I mean, you look healthy, but you may not be aware of Tyler's capacity as an athlete, and that you've run a 230 marathon, which uh, would, uh, in years past, qualify you for the Olympic trials, Uh, but your new goal is to actually run a 220, which will qualify for the
1: Olympic trials now, right? Yeah, well, 218, and and it's just something... yeah, I was, you know, that, that's a lot of time to cut off. Ten minutes, I mean, I ran a 5.45 average mile pace, and trying to cut off another 30 seconds per mile, it may be quite difficult, Yeah. but it's fun to have goals to shoot for. Yeah, not
0: only that, because there's a lot of people that run that fast as the marathon, but to balance that out with strength training, which I you know, I—I I was, was a long-distance endurance athlete for 40, 40 years, and... And regret that because mostly because I didn't integrate strength training into it. But uh, you're doing strength I, yeah, training, yeah, I do. And you can, you, what what have you deadlifted? Which is probably one of the premier uh, strength <laughs> training tests.
1: Well, uh, I mean, on, on the straight bar, 420 is has been my is my max. Um, a little bit more on the hex bar. Uh,
0: Hex so, the the bars are a little bit, they're easier to, I, I prefer the hex bar. Rather yeah, than the, for
1: me, they're a little easier because I have really long legs and a short yeah. torso, so I can get under there a little bit better. But in competition, you have to use a straight bar, so yeah. I, I try to focus more All on right, the straight so bar.
0: I, sorry for a little tangent, but, you know, <laughs> Tyler is an athletic stud. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, and part of uh, his reason for pursuing this area was his interest in, in athletics. So,
1: yeah.
0: Um, Maybe, well, before we go into the application athletics, because they're there profound applications. I, yeah, I, I, I'm I, excited I, to
1: talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I want to go into the mechanism of how it works.
1: Sure.
0: Because essentially it lowers oxidative stress, which is really one of the, along with inflammation, and inflammation causes oxidative stress. And probably, vice versa. Yeah. Right? So they're, they're two of the most fundamental mechanisms for destroying human health. Right. Yeah, so it, it, that's why this is so exciting, is that this molecular hydrogen is probably the best antioxidant out there for a variety of reasons, and this is not hyperbole. This is, you, you'll come to the conclusion after we share this information for you that you, you'll reach a similar, similar conclusion, I think. So um, why don't we talk about the mechanism? Because there's some confusion. You would think that the hydrogen gas dissociates, knocks off, or is able to uh, neutralize hydroxyl free radicals, which is the, probably the most, the premier worst free radical that you could have
1: mm-hmm. and
0: causes the most oxidative damage. But it doesn't appear to work that way. So why don't you get us up to speed as to what the current thinking is and in, sure. in the, the mechanism.
1: Well, and, and I appreciate that you talked about the inflammation, oxidative stress as an underlying cause to virtually every disease, mm-hmm. because, and, and I'm gonna get to your question, but this is an important thing to consider. Mm-hmm because it is almost a a skeptical sign, if you will, when we look at a molecule like hydrogen that has such a wide diverse effects in so many different diseases. Mm -hmm. So far, I mean, the research is still in its infancy. You know, Mm -hmm. we, we, we don't have, you know, decades of clinical studies for hundreds of, yeah. right
0: and that landmark paper that you read in 2009 was actually published in, in 2007
1: 10 yeah 10 years ago a- exactly right so this is this is still quite new but but so we have there's over a thousand publications on, on molecular hydrogen and they're they're suggesting that hydrogen has a therapeutic potential in uh, over 170 different human and animal diseases mm-hmm. and the reason why it can be so many different diseases, because most drugs, it's like one disease, mm-hmm. one organ, one target, hydrogen, many organs, many targets, in, in fact, hydrogen has been shown to be effective in essentially every organ of the human body, which we'll talk about. And the reason why is because it really helps to uh, mitigate mm-hmm. the area of oxidative stress and inflammation. Mm-hmm. So okay, how, how is it mitigating oxidative mm-hmm. stress? And you're right, this hydroxyl radical, it is one of the most cytotoxic radicals. And, and I think in order to understand the, how hydrogen works, we, we need to understand a little bit how free radicals work and why they're produced mm-hmm. anyways. Mm-hmm. And, and first off, the hydroxyl radical, which is OH neutral with, with a lone pair electron, it's it produced in the body through, say, the Fenton reaction. When you have, when you have different mm-hmm. free radicals that get too high, like superoxide radicals or high levels of peroxynitrite, that can be converted into hydroxyl radicals, ionizing radiation. Mm-hmm. These can all be converted to hydroxyl radicals, and they are so damaging because they are so reactive. They, where, wherever they're produced, they immediately, immediately react with... I
0: mean, let me just interject here, too, sure. because there's... Most anyone wouldn't dispute the damage of ionizing radiation. Yeah, And they... Be- the commonly held belief is that most of the damage occurs because of the high energy in those bonds, and ionizing radiation, to actually break the, the DNA and covalent bonds. But actually, mm. it's the production of the, the oxidative yeah. stress that probably causes more DNA double and single-stranded breaks than the actual ionizing radiation themselves.
1: Yeah, that, that may be because now you're talking about propagation cascades, right? right? And now you have really serious problems. And, and when you look at the uh, other free radicals, Nitric oxide, I mean, that's, that's a very important free radical, the vasodilation, mm-hmm. that's right, we don't want to neutralize that, we have superoxide radicals, we have other oxidants like hydrogen peroxide, these are all very important, of course too much is bad, mm-hmm. but having them uh, having them in the right concentrations, the right locations is very good for you, so we don't want to just neutralize all of those, whereas like hydroxyl radicals, yeah, we we don't want any of them, or or peroxynitrite oxidants, we, we don't want any of that. And that Nature Medicine publication in two thousand and seven specifically showed that hydrogen could act, notice that word, could act as a therapeutic antioxidant by selectively reducing the cytotoxic oxygen radicals, specifically the hydroxyl radical and to a lesser extent peroxynitrite, without decreasing the other oxidants like hydrogen peroxide or superoxide okay so so in that sense it is selective but how does it actually do that typically when we think and about that's,
0: and that's the key word selective because you're going to hear right. it, that is like if you have a key word here it's selective mm-hmm. that, that, that differentiates it from essentially every other antioxidant I,
1: exactly most other antioxidants they're not selective they're just hey i have an electron take it and and now it's going to neutralize that and that could be problematic and i think p- potentially when we look at some of the uh, clinical trials on antioxidant supplementation in general. Um, We could have, there's a lot of conjecture of, you know, well that was, maybe that was a synthetic or this was that or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the fact is these are still antioxidants in the conventional sense. They took high levels of them and they had to stop the clinical studies because the people taking the antioxidants were dying, getting cancer, lung cancer or prostate cancer or cardiovascular disease faster than those on placebo. And you see the same thing with sports athletes Mm -hmm. that, a- athletes taking antioxidants, high levels, chronically, they neg- negates the benefits of exercise training, but potentially because the antioxidants are neutralizing these beneficial signaling molecules that our body needs. So hydrogen is selective in that it's only going to decrease or reduce those toxic radicals like the hydroxyl radical, right? Now, now the mechanism, how does it do it? Is, is it really that hydrogen gas is directly reacting with the hydroxyl radical, scavenging it, and producing water? Mm-hmm. It's possible it happens, I suppose. It can happen at least in, in vitro because the reaction is is, is favorable if you mm-hmm. look at calculate Gibbs free energy, for example. But there's a lot of other competition with a lot of other antioxidants, and the rate constants are quite low for hydrogen gas. So probably the direct scavenging uh, does not account for the therapeutic actions of hydrogen. So th- there's two definitions of an antioxidant I'm going to give you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the. Kin- and,
0: and, and let me just stop you there yeah. before we get to the definitions. So this is actually what you just stated is actually uh, sort of contradicts what the earlier beliefs were. Then people early in the field thought that that was the mechanism.
1: Well, it's interesting. Maybe that is, that may be more what. People interpreted oh, okay. that what was the earlier beliefs. Okay. But if you look at the paper, hydrogen acts as a therapeutic antioxidant. It doesn't say it is, it says it acts as one, right? Okay. And also the definition of the antioxidant, one of them on the conventional chemistry side could be a molecule that donates itself to a radical reaction inducing a termination step. Donated an electron, sacrificing itself <coughs> or giving an electron. Then on the other side, there is simply a molecule that improves the redox status of the cell.
0: Okay, so explain redox status because many people won't okay. know what that so, is. So
1: redox, as in oxidation reduction, there's a balance, right? Or not really, it's homeostasis area, but mm-hmm. you have to have so much oxidation in the body and so much reduction in the body. There's a balance be- between the two and life is balanced, just like a battery, you have a negative and you have a positive, you can't have just a negative electrode or a positive electrode. And the body is the same, the cells are the same, you have to have an oxidation and a reduction. And that's how everything works, cell communication, everything. And when that balance gets perturbed, either too much oxidation, you have oxidative stress. If you have not enough, uh, you have other serious problems. If you don't have enough oxidative power, for example, in your endoplasmic reticulum, which folds the proteins, you will have misfold of proteins which leads to all lots of disease. And and aging, aging and diseases is really associated with a dysregulation, a redox dysregulation. It's not so much an excessive amount of free radicals but a, disre- a redox dysregulation. That's the real issue with aging and diseases.
0: That's a profound concept that really most people haven't been exposed to.
1: Yeah, it's, not, it's not, oh, free radicals. No, we need free radicals. And, and, and studies have shown you can actually suffer from too much oxidative stress and too much reductive stress, or not enough oxidative potential, not only in the same body or the same organ, but in the exact same right. cell, right? Too much oxidative stress in the cytosol, not enough oxidative power in the endoplasmic reticulum. And hydrogen helps to bring everything back to homeostasis. And so, going back to how hydrogen hydrogen works, what we we see in cell studies, in animal studies, in plant studies, in human studies, in all of these, these, these studies, Hydrogen does indeed exert an antioxidant-like effect. It acts as this antioxidant to improve the redox status of the cell. We see this through markers of MDA, malandialdehyde, uh, uh, OHDG, which is a marker of DNA damage. We we see improvements in superoxide dismutase, glutathione levels. I could just go on down the list of what we see in clinical studies and and other animal studies showing that indeed hydrogen does improve the redox status of the cell when it is needed. How does it do it? It's not done through this conventional radical scavenging activity. It does it through acting like an antioxidant. And does so by selectively, part of the reason selectively reducing just the cytotoxic radicals. Again, probably not directly reacting because of the competition with so many other nucleophilic endogenous uh, electron donors, right. right, in the cell. So, so. How does it do this? Well, maybe it's helping to prevent some of the free radicals from being produced. For example, in one uh, animal study, they took these, these mice mm-hmm. and they, they chronically restrained them in, in, a, in a container so that it would induce uh, cognitive impairments, Alzheimer's, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was, they did a genetic knockout uh, for vitamin C depletion, so mm-hmm. uh, um, almost all mammals produce vitamin C Except humans,
0: right?
1: Yeah, I think guinea pigs and I think bats are also. But they didn't genetic did knockout, so they could suffer from oxidative stress. And they f- they found that the drinking of hydrogen-rich water was very effective at preventing the development of uh, pr- production of superoxide mm-hmm. in the hippocampus of the brain. Mm-hmm. And so when we see other studies uh, with like an allergic type reaction that hydrogen down regulates uh, the NOx system, NADPH oxidase, which is a, is a complex that produces free radicals like superoxide radicals and when they get hyperactivated and chronically stimulated we have high levels of free radicals and, 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 and subsequent inflammation that is very damaging to the cell and causes cell death, apoptosis and, and so hydrogen is able to down regulate actually go and down-regulate this NADPH oxidase system in other ways to actually prevent the f- these excessive free radicals from being produced in the first place. So, so that's, one, that's, a powerful that, that's one way, yeah it's a prevention right? Yeah, What's better? for the best way. Exactly. So, so that's one of the ways hygiene can help mitigate and, and, and improve the redox status of the cell and thus act as this antioxidant. right? Another way is, you're familiar with uh, the NRF2 pathway, Mm -hmm. NRF2 pathway, right? This is a transcription factor that when it's activated, it goes into the nucleus and binds to the DNA, and when it binds to the ARE, the antioxidant response element, it then induces the transcription of further uh, cytoprotective enzymes. Your glutathione, superoxide dismutase, catalase, glutathione peroxidase, phase two, enzymes, heme 1, oxygenase, there's many, many cytoprotective enzymes. And hydrogen can somehow also activate the NRF2 pathway. So so this is another reason why we're seeing improve. One of the study um, a few years ago in metabolic syndrome Mm -hmm. they found that the subjects drinking hydrogen-rich water increase in extracellular superoxide dismutase. So Yes, hydrogen does have this antioxidant-like effect because it can help regulate the NRF2 pathway and bring these levels of these enzymes and these cytoprotective proteins back to the levels they're supposed to be, back into that realm of homeostasis. And And we see this through many clinical studies. And... So that's, that's another way that hydrogen gas can exert its anti- antioxidant-like effect. It's, it's more the cell modulation mm-hmm. type action. Um, but again, as a direct radical scavenger, probably not so much. Uh, sure, maybe it so, can happen.
0: So can you relate uh, how effective hydrogen is to stimulate NRF2 pathway relative to some of the other, other nutrients and phytonutrients that are, are known, like... Uh uh, glucoraphanin or sulforaphane for the uh, sure sure the, the, And a whole variety of others. I mean, it's a it's a it's a really important pathway and yeah. probably one of the most important one because it's it do, it just produces the antioxidants when you need them. It's hormetically controlled, so it's it's not like a surge of excessive right. antioxidants. Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. And and I, it would be nice to be able to quantify. Yeah, but we don't. Know. Uh, I I don't know that we can do that. And because hydrogen is very mild, mm-hmm. B- because. If you take, and and you see this, if you look at the studies, and this is why hydrogen is so difficult to study, is because if you administer molecular hydrogen to a cell or an animal, a lot of times you don't see any changes. If everything is already perfect, everything's already in homeostasis, you don't see changes. You may see changes in gene expression and mRNA levels, but but other significant changes, especially phenotypically, you don't see. But perhaps if you were to give a drug or other pharmacological agent that's potent, you do see significant changes. You don't see that with hydrogen. For hydrogen, often you have to administer some sort of a toxin or an assault of some sort and you look to see how hydrogen uh, mitigated or rescued or attenuated those effects from that toxin-induced problem. Okay, so if you were to give hydrogen to, uh, to a cell or, or, or a human that's healthy and you look at the NRF2 activation or the glutathione levels, often you may actually see no change at all. Mm-hmm. If the cell's healthy. If the cell's already healthy. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you are to uh, induce some sort of a toxin, radiation or some environmental pesticide type toxin, which we see in some of these studies, that's when you start seeing that oh look, hydrogen helped prevent the, the down regulation or the decrease of that glutathione or that superoxide levels, a uh, superoxide dismutase level mm-hmm. in the cell. And this is important because it's not good to have a constitutively active nrf2 signaling Mm -hmm. that's really bad Mm -hmm. and that's also part like i said you have to have a balance redox balance redox homeostasis so it's not really a balance it's redox homeostasis and if you have a constitutively active activated nrf2 there's genetic conditions Mm -hmm. where you can actually have too much of a reductive components that are being produced, and that can lead to various hypertrophy, of myocardial hypertrophy, mm-hmm. and other areas. And yeah, that, that's not good, and, and various toxins, cancer even, can, it can be problematic in that area. So it is a little concerning, maybe some of these strong, powerful agents taking chronically over a long period of time, maybe, maybe they're not so good to be doing, because maybe, maybe some of your cells and say, your liver, maybe they need some extra NRF2 upregulation. But maybe the cells in your brain, or something, maybe they don't need that. Mm-hmm. Well, if you take this other component, just conjecture, but perhaps the other pharmacological strong signaling component would upregulate NRF2 in many of the cells, even yes. those that don't necessarily need it. Systemically, di- without
0: differentiation or right. discrimination.
1: Exactly, whereas with hydrogen, it, it knows.
0: So I've heard you lecture many times, and there's a. Brilliant slide that you have in there. It's a study where they showed basal levels of anti- of oxidative stress, and then they administered, I think, believe ionizing. Radiation oh, sure, and sure, yeah. With it, the then okay. added hydrogen with and without. Yeah. It, it's it, it's like one picture is worth a thousand yeah, words. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Beautiful.
1: Well, yeah, it was in, it was a published in Free Radical Research, and it was just showing a marker of DNA damage, 8-OHdG, um, mm-hmm. and you'll see that yes, there's basal levels of oxidation, if you will, all the time. And then when you administer the molecular hydrogen to that healthy cell with no radiation, mm-hmm. the level stays exactly the, the same. same. So and the meaning being because the, the basal
0: level of free radicals, which you need to stay healthy, doesn't yes. get lowered.
1: Right, right, yes. exactly. And then the ionizing radiation, uh, yeah, well, really, goes really high up, and then you can see hydrogen significantly attenuates that upregulation of the oxidative stress.
0: Yeah, I I believe it was about 80% reduction. It was over 50%, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, I have to go back and look at it. But 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 it was significant. Significant.
0: So what does that mean? It means that there are going to be times in your life when you are going to be exposed to ionizing radiation stress.
1: Or or other toxins, right? Other toxins. But Uh, we'll just go ionizing radiation because,
0: you know, we know that's what the study was done with. So you're getting an X-ray, you're getting a CAT scan, you're flying at 35,000 feet being exposed to gamma rays. So what are the implications for that? According to this study, if if you have taken a therapeutic dose, and we'll talk about what that means in a moment, of hydrogen, you can radically lower the damage from ionizing radiation.
1: Yeah, I mean we, we would need a clinical study. Yeah. But but, but, but the, the implication. That's right. Yeah, I, it's certainly something worthy of pursuing. It's and, what I use and, all and, the time. And well hydrogen is safe. Yeah. Hydrogen is safe and so it's it's not a bad idea.
0: Yeah. Well talk about its safety because you know uh, and and then why you know it's just from a historical perspective why it might be considered beneficial because we actually make hydrogen gas, or yeah. our gut bacteria makes the gas. So, well, there's, talk about there's, that there's two, safety.
1: Yeah, there's, there's two areas that I, I find interesting. Uh, one of that is is the fact that we're always exposed to hydrogen, mm-hmm. and, and this does show safe, safety. But it also potentially shows a reason why hydrogen is therapeutic in the first place. Mm-hmm. It, it's a romantic story when you consider hydrogen. The, number one on the element on the periodic table of elements, right? Number one. First element, the Big Bang, however direction you want to take it, hydrogen is considered the father of all the elements. Mm-hmm. It's what powers the sun. Mm-hmm. And then we have life created on Earth, and potentially it started in the deep sea hydrothermal vents, mm-hmm. and we, we, hydrogen could have been used as a first energy source that started the genesis of life. And now we're seeing with the hydrogen hypothesis, with hydrosomes and mitochondria, that hydrogen was actually the key that forged the bond of making eukaryotes or plant animal cells out of out of bacteria Mm -hmm. so hygiene was involved in in the beginning of the universe the genesis of life the evolution of life and now we have developed the symbiotic relationship with with bacteria on on our skin our intestines Mm -hmm. right this is a huge thing is the probiotics everything is there but this, but our intestinal bacteria produce hydrogen gas also. Mm-hmm. I mean, lots of hydrogen gas, liters, liters a day, up to you know, 10 liters or more a day, depending on if the If
0: you're oriented like the United States, it would be like two and a half gallons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a lot.
1: It, it is a lot, and so, but it's interesting just from an evolutionary perspective, the fact that we've always been exposed to hydrogen gas, perhaps through evolution, we've, we've, we've conserved some of the targets, or we've developed targets, and this is why we're seeing the therapeutic effects of exogenous hydrogen gas administered in the cells. And, and we know that the hydrogen gas produced through intestinal bacteria is therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And and we've seen, for example, one, one study from uh, the University of uh, Florida with the Forsyth Institute in, in Boston they, they, they did a genetic knockout in E. coli and, and they found that the administration of a lactulose on the, w- and into animals, uh, rats that had E. coli that could not produce hydrogen gas, they did a, uh, took out the hydrogenase enzyme well they would metabolize the lactulose, the non-digestible fiber but there were no benefits to the fiber anymore and they put the bacteria back in that could metabolize lactulose and produce hydrogen gas, this hepatoprotective effects were reinstated, suggesting that at least in, in this condition, the benefits of the fiber were mediated by the production of hydrogen gas. Yes,
0: now le- let me frame that because a lot of people may not understand what you said and give them my clinical experience Please, it. yeah. So lactulose is a non-digestible sugar. You, you don't have enzymes in your body to break it down. Now, these, be- these gut bacteria do. And what is th- this is actually considered a drug. It is, it's a prescription drug and I used it when I was in residency training for people with hepatic encephalopathy and I believe it's still used and it works. Now how could a non-digestible sugar get people out, of hepatic encephalopathy is brain damage or brain, as a result of liver failure. So how does that work? It d- makes no sense but it worked and it was used and it's still being used. And I never understood, I don't think anyone, most anyone out there out there understands how it works until you shared this with me earlier.
1: Well, that's, that's interesting, yeah. yeah. And maybe maybe even these other ones, like carbo's and things, are suggesting yeah, that, right. that some of the cardiovascular protective effects are mediated by the increased production of hydrogen gas. But, but then the question remains, well then, if this hydrogen gas is so good for you and you're producing so much of it, why would ingestion of hydrogen-rich water, which is not, not near as much hydrogen gas as you do from the other method why why would that still be therapeutic it's, it's
0: literally orders of magnitude lower right yeah
1: yeah okay. i mean we're, we're talking if you, if you consider the saturation you know about 18 milliliters of hydrogen gas 0.8 millimolar or 1.6 milligrams per liter uh, yeah, it's, it's not, not, a, not very much comparing comparison, but we still see in the animal and human studies that... And plant. And, and plant, yeah, which is very interesting because all eukaryotes have this ubiquitous effect. But we still see it's very effective. And in fact, in, in, one, of the st- in one of the studies actually at Nagoya University mm-hmm. uh, in the Parkinson's disease model, they showed that a continuous administration of hydrogen in the air was not effective at preventing the Parkinson's disease, but an intermittent exposure was effective, but not near as effective as drinking hydrogen-rich water. Now that is key. that you just sort
0: of encapsulated the treasure chest of how to understand hydrogen and get it to work. So expand on that point, because cyclical. Or intermittent ex- exposure, yeah. as opposed to continuous, is you've got to understand that. I,
1: I, yeah. Again, we need more research to really understand the primary targets and molecular mechanisms how, of how it works. Mm-hmm. But it does appear to be more of a gaseous signal modulator, mm-hmm. and, and and the way signal modulators work is it needs to have this intermittent type exposure, else so you get habituation or or you know subsequent attenuation of the signal. And that's what we're seeing with hydrogen gas. And in fact, in that study I mentioned earlier with the uh, polioprotein E knockout mice, in this study, they originally tried inhalation of hydrogen gas. Mm-hmm. And they saw good effects, and then they disappeared. And then they tried drinking hydrogen-rich water. And the effect was significant during the entire study. And it was more effective than, uh, than other, other methods. It was, it's a very, very powerful study, published in 2000, 2008. But again, as this idea of this intermittent type of exposure. And I, I think this is, helps us to understand how hydrogen gas works, is the, the pulse type effect, getting the, getting the hydrogen into the body, in, inducing a cell modulation of some sort, and, and, then, and then that's gone. And that's going to alter the gene expression.
0: Yeah. It's in, I think it's related to some universal biological phenomena that really requires this intermittent cycling pulsing effect yeah. and I, I absolutely personally confirmed it and believe this is true for diet. So we, you know, I wrote a book Fat for Fuel which talks about helping people get into ketosis because it's so therapeutically beneficial but you can make the mistake like I did to think if it's so good let's do it continuously. Just like if hydrogen is mm. so good let's do it continuously. Well the problem is if you do it continuously it stops working and you get worse. You mm. actually get worse with ketosis, that's why you have to cycle in extra carbohydrates prob- you know, a few times a week once you reach that, which probably increases hydrogen gas production
1: more than likely <laughs> it, it, it may you know there, there's there's so many effects of hydrogen gas and and I guess we didn't quite finish the safety okay yeah we had, portion
0: want yeah, would watch out the divers and everything yeah
1: the fa- and and so, so the fact that hydrogen gas is produced in the intestines is a great indicator of its of its safety we're, we're always exposed to basal levels of hydrogen gas in our blood in our breath all the time so anybody can have it you know pregnant the the, the child everybody. Hydrogen gas itself is very safe. And they and they have used it in deep sea diving to prevent decompression sickness since the 1940s. Mm-hmm. And their human studies on showing the safety of hydrogen gas are very powerful, showing at, at millions of times higher concentrations. I mean, you know, 10 atmospheres of pressure and higher of hydrogen gas, 98% hydrogen gas, very high levels with no chronic uh, toxic effects. Mm-hmm. And so it, does appear to be very safe. Now, now, I'm not saying there are zero side effects. We, we don't know, we can't say that. There may be certain conditions where hydrogen gas could be bad for, um, but what we've seen so far is hydrogen gas is... Well, safe. one
0: speculation is to take it continuously, because then you uh essentially aren't able to, gain to the get benefits. the benefits I've right heard. sure Well, okay. but you're not because you're not getting the benefits you're almost indirectly causing damage because normally you would be exposed to cyclical exposure from your gut or from other sources
1: that's an so, interesting idea yeah. yeah yeah
0: so i mean yeah but
1: essentially you're not
0: going to get a side effect from taking this unless you really abuse it because you're you're that you know then you're just not getting the benefits
1: right right yeah, yeah. Well, and, and we, we really, that's the thing, we really need to see more clinical studies. And, and some of the clinical studies that have been out, they're quite powerful, I, I, I need to tell you. You're, you're gonna love this, <laughs> yeah. okay?
0: You just got back from a lot of research. Yeah,
1: I was just in China, I, I spoke at one of the, the, the Chinese biomedical symposium there, and then previously the one in Japan um, I attended. But, but I just remember this study, it's quite, quite uh, powerful, a couple studies actually, but I, I wanna talk about. One of them, they compared inhalation of hydrogen gas, about 3% hydrogen gas inhalation, with a cerebral infarction. And and they had 50 patients, 25 in the hydrogen inhalation, and then 25 in the control group. In the control group, it wasn't just air they inhaled, they actually compared it to an approved medical drug. And, of course, that's a scary thing to to consider, (laughs) because what if you're in the hydrogen group and you don't know if it's gonna be therapeutic or not? You'd rather be in the, in the group that's been proven, or not proven, but, you know, clinically demonstrated to, to be good. Well, they, did, they they were able to do this study because the animal studies and different things were very, very powerful. Well, they did a study, and they found that the group on the hydrogen was significantly more effective than the approved drug mm-hmm. on, on all the measured parameters, with no side effects. Mm. So this, this is... Again, if you can't tell us why I'm so passionate about hydrogen is because here we have a molecule that is simple, safe, easy to administer, and has, actually has some really significant therapeutic potential. And, and there was just another study, just barely published, in, uh, for mild cognitive impairments, Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this, and when if you looked at the genotype, those with, those with uh, APOE4, mm-hmm. which genotype is... Uh, very susceptible to Alzheimer's disease. In fact, about 50% of all Alzheimer's disease patients are the ApoE4. And when we look at the effects of hydrogen, drinking hydrogen water, it was a one-year study, uh, about 100 patients or so, they found hydrogen was significantly therapeutic at at helping in this disease. And that's big because there there are no, at least that I know of, there are no approved drugs that are effective for Alzheimer's no, disease.
0: No, but there's a proof, strategies and you know one of them is... Okay, the, strategies is different. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah. Know, about drugs, okay. you know, there's no question. But it, it's interesting, you mentioned the ApoE4 because I've interviewed Dr. Dale Bredesen before, who's, who's really, I, I view, as one of the world's leading experts in Alzheimer's. Okay. He gets it at a very profoundly deep level and he shared this amazing insights about ApoE4 and related to the fact that almost all humans all of our our ancient ancestors were all ApoE4 double homozygous. Is
1: that right? Yes. Hmm.
0: And it actually benefits health okay, if you're able to apply what it's designed for, which is that we were never designed to eat. If you're ApoE4 especially, continuously. You've got to do fasting.
1: That's interesting. And if you don't
0: fast, you're going to get neurodegenerative changes that progress into Alzheimer's. So it's, again, this whole cycling benefit. Well, then, you know, if,
1: if that's true, which, which I, I don't know, this yeah, is yeah, new yeah. to me, but, but it's yeah. interesting because hydrogen, one of the pathways that hydrogen seems to mimic, is that of fasting. Yeah. <laughs> so so, so you, you look at the, uh, for example, there's an article published in the Journal of Obesity, which was a nature publishing group also, mm-hmm. And they found that hydrogen was able to induce uh, hepatic growth factor, um, or FGF21, mm-hmm. fib- fibroblast growth factor 21. Well, that's, that's huge. That's, this induces energy metabolism. And, and when they compared in the study, they found that effectively drinking hydrogen-rich water had the same effect as a, about a 20% caloric restriction. Okay, and then, when there was, and then there was an additive effect when there was a caloric restriction and the ingestion of hydrogen-rich right. water. And we're hydrogen, okay, for example, when we fast, one of the first hormones we start to produce is ghrelin, mm-hmm. right? And ghrelin uh, is the hunger hormone, but it's also, it can increase growth hormone levels, it's very neuroprotective, has anti-inflammatory effects, it's very good for the body. Hydrogen can induce gastric ghrelin production. And in fact, that was shown to be uh, one of the primary mediators in benefiting Parkinson's disease from drinking hydrogen-rich water. So many of the animal studies, as I mentioned one earlier, but many animal studies, including a double-blinded placebo-controlled clinical trial that was about a a year long of 100 patients or so, also showed hydrogen was very effective in Parkinson's disease, and now they're just finishing up a three-year clinical trial of about a uh, a few hundred patients. But what what we see, though, is hydrogen is able to benefit this uh, Parkinson's disease, likely via inducing gastric ghrelin production. So we have ghrelin production mediated by fasting and also uh, FGF twenty one and the increase in and the whole energy metabolism. So it's very interesting. Hydrogen seems to mimic some of these same pathways. So it's interesting that you, you brought yeah. that up. Maybe there's some other correlations to be investigated. Yeah,
0: so I've got another question for you, too. So you've talked about its benefit in neurodegenerative ch- diseases, like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, and also for cerebrovascular access and heart disease. So there's two two of the other big diseases out there would be obviously cancer and diabetes. Are you aware of any uh, studies that have looked at hydrogen Uh, applications
1: sure yeah so if we look at diabetes and we can put that in like with metabolic syndrome there's Mm -hmm. there's several clinical studies in the metabolic syndrome in fact we're we're just finishing one article uh, in an animal study with uh, um, uh, with a high fat diet induced non-alcoholic fatty acid liver disease Mm -hmm. and uh, we, we s- it should be a
0: hard carb diet that does that. Yeah, we, 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 that's true, too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's from my experience, mostly yeah. the high carb diet, not the yeah. yeah. really bad. Yeah, well,
1: well, that's something we can we can yeah. investigate uh, later, also. But but we but this is just a, a, a model that's been very common in the 6 right?
0: Probably it's, it's com- industrially processed vegetable oils. Sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well, what we found though, the results are significant. There's, there's several studies out there. hydrogen was very effective at. at uh, preventing the damage down to, to, to the liver. And in some of the metabolic syndrome studies, those with uh, impaired glucose tolerance, a uh, few of those patients, uh, their glucose levels are brought back to the normal range. Um, the various markers of... Uh, yeah. there's, there's so much we could go into about the di- diabetes. Hydrogen, in well, some of the animal studies, hydrogen may actually induce GLUT4 translocation by, an, an, uh, anyway, but, but by, by a similar mechanism. Of, of insulin, potentiate insulin secretion. We need more studies to show, to, to investigate mm-hmm. this, but some of these preliminary data is, is really showing it's great for, for these, these di- diabetics. Well,
0: what about cancer?
1: So Okay, so cancer... Which is I, a I, big
0: one. I mean, this is a, it's, can yeah. this be a useful modality as an adjunct, certainly not the primary treatment, Sure. but as an adjunctive treatment in, in approaching cancer. Yeah,
1: you know, it's... I, I, I don't know, to be honest. Who I looked at it? Oh, no, people have looked at it. And and we I'm just cautious. Mm-hmm. A cancer is difficult. Yeah. Cancer is not just oh they have a genetic mutation. No, it's not genetic. Right? Okay. The gen- genetic mutation is secondary to the
0: oxidative damage. Yeah, we
1: have the meta- We have a we have a metabolic right. disorder. We have genetic disorders. We have so many things, right? And and, and so so hydrogen helps induce uh, cell survival. Mm-hmm. Helps induce proliferation. So so in some rationale we could say well maybe hydrogen is not so good for cancer because maybe it's going to protect the cancer. Mm-hmm. And we have some evidence for that. Mm-hmm. But then there's also uh, some good evidence to suggest that maybe hydrogen is very good to combat cancer. In fact, in fact, one of the first studies on hydrogen therapy was done in 1975 by Texas A&M and Baylor University published in the Journal of Science and they found that uh, they transplanted melanoma tumors in mice and did a hyperbaric hydrogen mm-hmm. chamber. Okay and they found that the the hydrogen therapy in in this condition was very effective at regressing the melanoma tumors. Interesting. I mean, it it, it was very impressive. It probably didn't continue on with the research because it's not really practical to do such a high atmospheric pressure of hyperbaric hydrogen therapy. But then in 2007, when we showed that we could use feasible physiological levels of hydrogen, that's really what spawned the generation of hydrogen research. Then there's other studies on. Uh, so just at this this uh, symposium that I spoke at, there and were Shana? yeah there were probably three or four other researchers mm-hmm. who talked about their research on cancer specifically, and sh- showing that it had a very uh, good effect at suppressing their su- suppressing cancer growth, mm. and uh, and. We we need more. We just need. We need more research. And what one of the clinical studies was done with a radiotherapy on I think liver liver tumors, and they found that hydrogen was least effective at improving the quality of life of the patients, and mitigating the toxic side effects of the of the drugs. So An animal studies showing decreasing the chemotherapy the the, set, the side effects of the drugs and chemotherapy, but. Uh, without altering any of the anti tumor effects. And so I think what you said may be key, maybe not as the primary it treatment. It can't be the primary, right? there's no way. But, yeah. but as a secondary or, or an adjunct. Adjunctive, yeah. Adjunct yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I it, think it, it's. It would be
0: intriguing to see someone do a study where they're integrating hyperbaric oxygen with hyperbaric
1: hydrogen. Actually, that's kind of being done right now. Uh, it, would med- it makes yeah, a lot of it, sense. It's a very good idea. Anytime yeah. you want to combine an oxidative type therapy, you want to use hydrogen because you always have damage from an oxidative therapy the damage is the pros outweigh the cons yeah but hydrogen can help mitigate
0: yeah in fact i do that almost every day when i'm home i do an ozone sauna and before i go into the sauna i take my hydrogen okay (laughs) you know because you know i don't i want to mitigate the 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 side effects from the ozone
1: sure sure get the benefits still yeah 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 so just just to clarify with cancer we, we don't know, but as more of the data is coming out, I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable that maybe, especially when there's no other hope in sight, uh, it's, it's probably not a bad idea. All
0: right, so I'm sure we've stimulated lots of people's interest in this, and they might be running out to their computer and searching Google as how they're going to get this. So I think it's pretty wise now to go into how you can access available hydrogen therapy because there's a lot of different ways and you're certainly an expert on that so
1: well, yeah, so I'll talk in general sense about right. some of the methods and, and mechanisms. We, we don't sell or represent right. any hydrogen products, so you can go to our website and learn more. But you're not you, going to, sub- you won't, to buy anything. Yeah, and you won't find any hydrogen products. We, right. we don't endorse or recommend anything. But, but there are many ways to administer hydrogen, and, th- and that's what I love about it. Uh, we talked about the inhalation of hydrogen gas. There are inhalation machines that you can buy, uh, people make inhalation machines. One of the c- potential concerns, uh, again, it's, 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 I haven't looked into this specifically. Cause we're not what I do but when you do electrolysis of water for example you do produce hydrogen gas and just by inhaling the gas produced at the cathode that's hydrogen gas but if those electrodes are not pure the water you're using it has say it's chloride then that can be you can get chlorine produced out of that and then you could be inhaling that so yeah. it's, you have to be somewhat cognizant Pay attention to the details yeah to those details you don't want to be inhaling something that's actually could be toxic right. for you so, so inhalation is one method you also the, the, you also have a hygiene rich a uh, bathing mm-hmm. It actually as j- a quick digression, mm-hmm. but uh, there is there is uh, some interesting uh, you know the, the traditions we hear right from the from the fountains of youth and mm-hmm. the Pont de Rion and the, you know, and all, all these different things. Some of these healing waters around the world have people have actually gone back to those waters and they've actually shown that they contain small amounts of hydrogen gas in them and so perhaps perhaps those waters did have some benefits
0: i think they Uh, like sulfur too is like hydrogen sulfide hydrogen sulfide is good for you
1: and some they could just be lacking some constituents like iodine or something but it is interesting just some of these connections with hydrogen gas could be in there but but bathing in hydrogen water uh, is a great way to, to do it and then and then of course there 's simply just drinking hydrogen rich water mm-hmm. and there 's a number of ways to do that whether it 's just a tank of hydrogen gas and you bubble it into the water and dissolve it under pressure and then um, and then the storing hydrogen in, in like ready to drink uh, cans for example, mm-hmm. or, or other other uh, pouches well this will this will work, but you can 't have hydrogen water stored in say plastic containers because hydrogen is the smallest molecule it'll it'll dissipate right out of the container.
0: Yeah, and just to reemphasize what you said earlier, one of the reasons why it's so therapeutically beneficial because it permeates every membrane in your body. There is not a space that it cannot get into. Whether it's your cell membrane, the blood brain barrier, the mitochondrial membrane, it goes there. Yes. Just nothing stops it.
1: Yeah, it can easily permeate everything. And so so, so if you see, you know, hydrogen water and it's in plastic bottles on the shelf or something... It, it's, <laughs> it's not real. Right. That hydrogen is long gone. Right, if there was anything in there. Yeah. And, and maybe that's a clarification. Some people, in they hear, what do you mean add hydrogen to water? Isn't water already H2O? Yeah, yeah, good point Expand on that. Okay, right. well, okay, remember, water, the structure of water looks like Mickey Mouse, right? Mm-hmm. You have the oxygen and then the two hydrogens, and they're attached to the oxygen. They're attached to the oxygen, and, and like glucose. Or sugar, right? It's C6H12O6. There's six carbons and there's 12 hydrogens. Those hydrogens are all bound to the carbon or to the oxygen. Mm -hmm. So completely different molecules of sugar and water, right? Mm -hmm. But they all have hydrogen. Most compounds have hydrogen in them. Hydrogen gas, like we mentioned earlier, was just two hydrogen atoms that are bound together. And that's hydrogen gas. You can take this gas and bubble it, dissolve it into water. It doesn't attach to the water molecules. It doesn't make H4O or H3O or there are any other ending that doesn't make structure yeah it doesn't yeah it doesn't
0: in yeah confusion yeah we about. don't
1: want to Yeah, or we don't want to get into any of this other realm if mm-hmm. you will it's just hydrogen gas dissolved in water you can take CO2 gas oxygen gas and dissolve that into water like sparkling water yeah I mean okay f- wh- why if wa- water already has oxygen gas yeah so can't you no? what was say, water already has oxygen so can't you just breathe water of course not. No. Because the oxygen is tied up with the other bonds, right? Same thing with the hydrogen. So so it's a hydrogen gas. So you can take the gas, dissolve it into water, and then you can drink it. And, and Or bathe in it. Or or bathe in it. Or do an intravenous hydrogen rich saline injection. Mm-hmm. Um, and or there's a hyperbaric hydrogen Therapy, which actually, I was in Japan earlier uh, this year, and there is a hyperbaric hydrogen chamber that has been developed. Oh, nice! And so you can go in there and do a little session. I'm not sure on how, of course, how it compares therapeutic-wise, but there's so many ways
0: because it is flammable.
1: Well, you know, it's only flammable above a 4.6% concentration. Oh, and so do it.
0: but hyperbaric when when, oh, so you can have hyperbaric at less of a at uh,
1: less exactly. So as you look at the molar ratio, right? So it, it still may be okay. So it, it's yeah it's inter- interesting. And we think of
0: flammable, we think of the Hindenburg, which is, yes. Which is hydrogen.
1: Yes, exactly, right. exactly. And and one thing I'll, I'll say, you can measure the concentration of hydrogen gas and you can to look to see if it's really, sure. really there. And, and you don't want to use, uh, for example, there's ORP meters, oxidation reduction potential meters. Those are meaningless mm-hmm. when it comes to hydrogen watcher. Of course if you measure the orp of a hydrogen watcher you will get a negative number because hydrogen is a reducing agent according mm-hmm. to the nernst equation it's a, it's a redox balance it's a, it's a ratio but it's not going to measure hydrogen and gas it's a, it's very sensitive to ph in that case because it's it's a it's a redox couple and uh, the, hydrogen gas is difficult to measure, though. Typically, has to use like gas chromatography or a specific hydrogen electrode with a standard calibration curve because hydrogen is not an ion. It's it's not like oxygen is paramagnetic, so you could have a sensor for that. But hydrogen is not. It's diamagnetic. It's so many properties make hydrogen difficult to measure. But there is the redox titration reagent H two blue. Um, and which i you can get w- which you can get yeah h 2 sciencesinccom yeah or other websites sure. I, there's so many places that sell Google, you know, even uh, in, Amazon. It, yeah they sell it in japan it's in yeah. korea you know there's um, other companies that have their own product I- i'm just saying it's something very easy and you can measure the concentration of hydrogen and you can see for yourself. Yeah, if, maybe if just go over
0: uh, in a minute or so what the process is like to actually do it by titration and sign up with the concentration. Sure,
1: and, and and there's lots of explanations out there, but briefly, you you fill up the water, a little beaker of water, say six milliliters of water, of your hydrogen water. Now, if there's no hydrogen gas in there and you take the reagent, which has methylene blue and, and a chloroplatinum to act as a catalyst, and you add that in there, if there's no hydrogen in the water, it'll just go blue and stay blue. If there is hydrogen gas in there and you add the drop in there, it'll turn it from blue to clear. It'll go clear. And, and, and then you add another drop. And you keep on adding them stepwise until the solution stays blue, it turns blue and stays blue. And that's called the titration endpoint. And you just count how many drops did it take to get there.
0: And maybe you can t- discuss th- therapeutic uh, ranges or targets with, sure. with, with, with some of these things. Because the, 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 you've know, discussed the, the different routes of administration, but I think it's going to be important to figure out what the dose is. Yeah, well,
1: and, and, and uh, I don't know, okay? <laughs> okay. We, 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 we don't know what the minimal effective concentration MED. is. Yeah, the, what the MED is. And there's so many things to consider because especially when we're talking about a gaseous uh, signal modulator that we're talking about, intermittent exposure, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then we need to have a, not only a, uh, an MED, but we need to talk about a time scale, a time mm-hmm. factor, right? Right. And, and it's half-life. Mm-hmm. And so all, all I can tell you is what we have shown to be effective or mm-hmm. therapeutic in the clinical studies. Mm-hmm. And so if we look at hydrogen water, the clinical studies have ranged from anywhere from, from you receiving between 0.5 milligrams to one point five milligrams and higher even you know five milligrams of hydrogen per day and these ranges appear to be therapeutic if you get less maybe for some diseases for some people for some conditions in some circumstances for maybe a chronic use maybe it's still effective but but in some cases you may need a higher concentration and and again we need more research but it appears at least in some of these studies that a higher concentration or a higher dose is more likely to be effective.
0: Especially if it's intermittent.
1: Yeah, yeah, it should be intermittent. I, I think, I think that's, the research has becoming more clear on that. But so, so IHSA, International Hydrogen Standard Association, that is the current recommendation when it comes to hydrogen products, is you should get 0.5 milligrams uh, of hydrogen. You need to be able to get 0.5 milligrams of hydrogen by consuming no more than one liter.
0: Okay, so it has to be, I was going to ask you the, the volume. Right,
1: okay. and the reason why is because, yeah, you could take, okay, well, I'll just drink four liters of this, you know, two milligrams or something. Well, then maybe if you did that, then that's a, that's a very small amount taken throughout the entire day. So, so the cellular concentration would never go above, say, four or five micromolar. Well, we need to get higher, maybe eight to 20 micromolar in order to do a therapeutic effect. And so this is why we're saying, okay, we'll limit it to one liter. There's so, many, so much discussion going on here. And it's, it's very exciting to be a part of but we need more clinical research. Sure. And, and, and this is actually, I want to talk about the dose in general. Because when we talk about, okay, 0.5 milligrams or... or, or, or Two milligrams of hydrogen. The saturation is like a lot. one point six milligrams per liter. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot, but actually, it's it's quite it's significant. Mm-hmm. And if you and and you have to remember, hydrogen is the lightest molecule in the universe. Mm-hmm. Its molar mass is two grams per mole, versus say, vitamin C is one hundred and seventy six grams per mole. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot lighter. And so when you compare at a molecule to molecule or mole to mole, it's it's a lot. And, and to do a quick comparison one a saturated liter of water with 1.6 milligrams per liter actually contains more, m- more molecules of hydrogen than, uh, than there are molecules of vitamin C in a 100 milligram dose. Mm-hmm. So there actually is significant and, and if we look at other uh, biomolecules some, some molecules operate effectively at a nanomolar range mm-hmm. but we take hydrogen we, we're still at a, at a micromolar mm-hmm. range so it's enough but most importantly we do see uh, the therapeutic effect in the animal cell and clinical human studies and
0: what do the studies suggest with respect to the half-life and the timing of the dose and the frequency
1: okay sure so in terms of half-life once you for example if you're to drink hydrogen rich water depending on the dose that you take in you're going to reach a peak blood level and breath exhalation because hydrogen when you, when you consume it it goes into the stomach and absorbs into the in, in, into the blood and then it gets pumped to the heart and to, and to the lungs and you exhale a lot of the hydrogen gas out and it you, you see that peak anywhere between five to fifteen minutes and then that that peak goes back to baseline because you have base levels of hydrogen it goes back to baseline in about an hour or so so that's kind of the half-life of hydrogen and that's also where we know hydrogen is much, is much more in terms of it's more of a signal modulator, right? Because you can drink the hydrogen water and it's gone, it's out of the system within an hour, but yet it has residual therapeutic protective effects that last for hours, days, and even weeks. One of the studies in uh, rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. a double blinded randomized uh, study, is small but they found that drinking hydrogen water was very effective for the disease. And now they're doing a very large study of 170 something patients that they're, they're getting ready to do. But it was very effective. And it, in, in this study they found that hydrogen, actually with those with early, early uh, on, uh, onset rheumatoid arthritis, they had a remission of the disease. That's and and, and, they, and they, during the washout period they saw, so no one has taken hydrogen during this time when they continue to monitor they actually continue to see improvements in the disease for an additional four weeks.
0: That is odd because just from what you shared about the mechanism, it doesn't seem like that would do that because it, because it seems to be targeting oxidative stress and inflammation. Whereas in that scenario, you're actually targeting the, the, the actual mechanism of the, well, the, because, the cause,
1: the foundational cause. Because you're targeting be. gene expression. So, so by taking hydrogen within three days, we see increases in PGC1-alpha, for example. Mm-hmm. PGC1-alpha is mitochondrial biogenesis. That's, right. That's a huge, you know, the huge area. That's what exercise but, but we see on. decreases in, like, N-fat, for example, mm-hmm. or um, th- there's so many different transcription factors hydrogen operates on. So if we start to alter the gene expression, then some of these changes as a signal modulator can last for quite some time. So we get that, those residual effects. And th- this is what I'm very excited to see at yeah, the clinical I- studies.
0: And I'm happy to hear that, but I just don't want to give people a misimpression this is a magic bullet. So this isn't, just as in cancer, it's an adjunctive factor. It's, it's to be done synergistically with other things that we know are beneficial to produce health and, and address disease.
1: I think that's critical because hygiene is, is it's not, it, it, in my opinion, for example, you can't say hygiene is a powerful antioxidant. No, you can't. It, the reason why hydrogen is so good is because it 's a weak antioxidant it 's hum, a humble molecule <laughs> okay it, it 's it's, it's very mild and it, it just it's able to go in and slowly do things and when you talk about doing a lot of things, you make by s- these small and simple things are great things brought to pass right yeah and, and that 's how hydrogen works
0: so uh, you've provided a load of information to intrigue and excite people about this uh, really highly beneficial uh, uh, adjunct to their health. So I'm wondering if you could provide some recommendation or words of caution perhaps with respect to anyone out there who's really motivated wants to get this and starts hopping on Amazon looking for hydrogen. <laughs> so what would, what would you advise?
1: Well, well first off, uh, the research is still in its infancy. We, 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 there's so much more we have to do. You know, we, we, we don't have hundreds of years of clinical studies that are just long-term. We have preliminary data. We have some pretty neat human studies. We need more, so we're not saying this is the, this is the cure-all. This is the end. We need more. So we have not. We still have not proven the actual mechanisms that's being worked on. I happen to know some confidential information. Very excited about it, but but these are not published. We we haven't. We don't have this data yet. We haven't proven exactly how it works, which is okay. There's lots of. Sure. There's lots of pharmaceuticals that we, we know have this effect, but when we, we don't know school, how they work. We did
0: not know how aspirin worked. Uh, w- we exactly. do now, but we did, yeah. didn't when I was in school.
1: Fa- exactly. So so it's okay, but we, we still don't know many things about hydrogen. We still need a lot more research. And the sec- so, so that's one thing I, I caution is don't don't be thinking like you said this is some miracle thing is going to cure everything, and we we don't know. We need more research. It's just very exciting. We're on the cutting edge right now. And, and the second thing is, there is a lot of scams. There's, there's, it's a big market, and so there's a lot of companies trying to come in and, oh, I'm going to make hydrogen water. There's companies who are just selling normal water, calling it hydrogen water, because they think water is already H2O. So they just change the name. It's, that's not hydrogen. So, sure. so don't just, just because a company claims hydrogen or because a company claims a certain concentration, it may not be true. But this is easy to
0: check because if you can buy this test. That you should, can
1: buy the test reagent. H,
0: what is it again?
1: H H2 two blue? H2 blue. Yeah, blue. and then there's another one out of out of Japan. There's, they make it in Korea. Yeah, so you they're, can they're, test it yourself. Yeah, you just can to test it. it. You should if it's. Yeah, and and you, yeah, there, there's once you get to know a certain company, you're able to yeah. maybe va- evaluate. You know, but so so that's my second concern is or, or caution, right? Is just don't jump at the first thing that says hydrogen. The right. next big thing, sure, sure. right? And, and, then, and then lastly, I just want to reiterate again, that's nothing to do with alkaline water. Yeah, And, yeah. and yeah, I was gonna,
0: thank you, I almost forgot to mention that because, but, but that was some of the excitement. Alkaline water essentially, and I've written articles on this, does not work. Yeah. It does not work. It's not, nothing to do with the pH. If it works, it's due to hydrogen. Well, so why know, don't you expand on it? You, you
1: know, this is, I, it is just such an interesting history. So alkaline ionized water, so the Japanese government's very strict. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're, they're stricter than the FDA. The, you know, in my opinion, the FDA is underfunded, and that's why we have a lot of well, problems. It's also corrupted. It, exactly. That's why it's yeah. so corrupted. The, yeah. the, well, not saying that's why. There's, there's so many yeah. issues. But the Japanese government's also very strict. And in order for, they had this idea of applying alkaline ionized water for agriculture and later for human use. They had to get the Japanese government approval in order to even start doing that. They, they did that. I mean, similarly we have the FDA approval for dental floss, for example. Anything that's gonna be used on the human body has to be a medical device. Mm-hmm. So they got that approval, but, but no medical doctors, no scientists thought anything of it. It, every, it doesn't make any sense that alkaline water could do any of these benefits, because even if you subscribe, even if you subscribe to the idea that we need to alkalize our bodies, mm-hmm. you can't do it. Probably you, some
0: benefit to Yeah,
1: Yeah, which, which we're not even discussing no. that, right? But, but even, if you, even if you subscribe to that, you can't do it with alkaline water because yeah. alkaline water is not a buffer. Yeah, and that's, a, that's a key point. So not, explain that, expand on that So, so a buffer is, is a substance that's able to, it's able to prevent changes in pH. Okay, and, and to put it in perspective, if we look at uh, uh, baking soda, sodium bicarbonate, mm-hmm. which is our body's natural buffering system, one teaspoon of baking soda can neutralize the same amount of acid as over 700 liters of alkaline water at a pH of 10. Mm-hmm. So, so there's, there's Which no... Which is a pretty
0: high pH. Yeah, it is. And yeah. bacon Most so is people only eight, aren't going to drink a pH ex-
1: of 10. And it, yeah, it, once it goes above pH 10, according to some of the Japanese studies, it's, it's not a good idea anyways. But, yeah. And bacon soda soda the pH of 8.1, yeah. so it's not a buffer. Right. So what happened in Japan is they had... Uh, nobody really accepted this idea, but it started growing in the marketplace, and mm-hmm. they started getting a lot of press, especially in the 80s. Mm-hmm. They started getting a lot of press. And because people were receiving these anecdotal benefits, like, mm-hmm. what? Wow, I'm getting this and this. So they started doing this research in the 90s, and, the, and also in Korea, in the 90s started doing research, and they found this water, this alkaline ionized water, electrolyzed reduced water, w- appeared to have some sort of antioxidant and anti-diabetic and mm-hmm. anti-cancer effects, and like, how is this possible? The researchers didn't know. Re- read the studies. Yeah. They, they, they really didn't know. They, they were just saying, this is what we're finding in the research. Right. And, and but then, as of course the market grew, well, they had to explain something. And so now there was this whole idea of the this microclustering idea, or this uh, free electrons in the water, or the negative ORP, or this alkaline benefit alone, or so many different ideas that were were propagated through marketing, but were never scientific. Never validated. Never validated. The scientists themselves never said that. Continued to do some research, and then what happened was that article in Nature Medicine was published in two thousand and seven. Yeah. So now some of these other researchers saw that publication and they thought, hey, when you do electrolysis of water, by definition, you produce hydrogen and gas. What if hydrogen and gas is responsible for the, as a therapeutic agent? B- before that, everyone thought hydrogen gas was just a byproduct. Reads the article. This is so interesting. And they're like. Oh, and it produced hydrogen gas. Or many of them wouldn't even mention hydrogen gas, no. right? Because it was insignificant. It's ins- because hydrogen's always been considered to be bio- essentially biologically inert. Would have no therapeutic effect. And that's why there's this idea of active hydrogen, which is a reactive atomic hydrogen, hydrogen radical. Mm-hmm. And that was the first kind of idea that of merging, maybe a hydrogen has an effect, was in the active atomic hydrogen radical form, which is, would be totally impossible. It's completely unstable in that form. But, but anyways, some of these other researchers, they're like, okay, well, that's a simple study to do. So we have uh, Dr. Lee from uh, Korea. He is the p- pioneer researcher in alkaline ionized water in a, from the 1990s, he's one of the first persons to show these effects. He's also one of our advisors. Mm-hmm. Um, you, can, you can look him up, up on our website. You'll see where he started, um, you know, MD, PhD and, and all this. And he started looking at this. Well, he did the research and he found, hey, when I take alkaline ionized water and I remove the hydrogen gas from the water Even though the pH is the same, even though all these things okay, and everything. The, the, the benefits are eliminated mm-hmm. The benefits were eliminated when you remove the hydrogen gas The hydrogen gas is responsible for a negative ORP so You can have a negative ORP, say negative 200 Probably won't be therapeutic And the reason why, there's no hydrogen gas in there well, not enough. Uh, so it was very low, low, very low level. But, but anyway, this was shown, he, he showed it many times, many studies. In fact, our study on non-alcoholic fatty acid liver disease that I talked about, mm. that was originally done by the group in Israel using alkaline ionized water. And they, they did, them, They did just like all the studies, they did electrolysis for a couple of hours. They had a very high pH, very high negative ORP, all these things. They did the study, very disappointed because no effect. Mm. I then to explain to them the hydrogen gas they did the exact same study and, n- and now we're collaborating on this a couple of years ago we've been collaborating on this for a while now and now all of a sudden they see the effects of hydrogen gas and we did two we did a low concentration of hydrogen and a high concentration of hydrogen the low concentration of hydrogen still no effect the higher concentration of hydrogen was very fair yeah, what was the high concentration I think two, we did point 0.2, two point 0.3 milligram per two, liter for the low well. and then 0.7 or 0.8 milligram for it's the Still high. not very high it's so still not very high yeah right of um, course animals drink more water, but, but still w- w- this again shows well then, the last one in Japan, Dr. Mami Noda from Kiyoshi University uh, she was also one of the first researchers on, on alkaline ionized water, she, was the one, she also researched at Rockefeller University, she's a very good pharmacologist researcher and she had friends come to her who were drinking alkaline ionized water and say hey Dr. Noda, I'm, I'm getting better. How, how is this possible? And she being a scientist, I don't know. First, I don't know if this is even true. This is very strange. It doesn't make any sense scientifically. But she tried it, she, 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 and, and so she, in her study, uh, she, she took animals and she induced Parkinson's disease, gave them hydrogen water, and she showed that uh, hydrogen water prevented the development of Parkinson's disease, and so she also was curious. How is this possible? Saw the publication, Nature Medicine, mm-hmm. and then did the exact same thing. Did the study, exact same studies, and then removed the hydrogen gas from the water as well as simply bubbled hydrogen gas into water, and it was very clear that it was only the hydrogen gas responsible for mediating the benefits, hmm. and and this this Parkinson's disease study, and, and a different one from Nagoya University, I, I need to tell you how how Dr. Kinjo, also our advisor, but that's who I worked with when I was in Japan, how mm-hmm. he got inter- interested in hydrogen. Sure. It was also because of Parkinson's disease, <laughs> okay? It, and, and he heard a lot of these things, but see Nagoya is the fifth most prestigious university in Japan. Now, he's a very respected researcher, so he's not just going to dabble into something. So he's heard about this and and he's like, you know, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. So, he, in his, so in his lab he, he also developed a model to, to induce Parkinson's disease, and he saw that the. the, the drinking hydrogen-rich water prevented the development of Parkinson's disease. And, and in his words, when he saw in his own lab with his own eyes that hydrogen had that effect, that changed his research career and got him interested into the hydrogen biology and specifically to elucidate the molecular mechanisms behind how hydrogen is having this effect. We need a lot more research but it's very exciting what we're seeing because we're actually seeing that the, the studies from the animal studies are being transmitted or to the human studies. We're, we're actually seeing that there's there's an effect in humans as well, not just yeah, in animals.
0: Absolutely. Well this is great. <laughs> this is <laughs> so exciting. It really is and you know but I, I just to finish off the alkalizer water because oh, yeah. most of the alkalizers out there they produce hydrogen gas. By course.
1: definition, but, yeah.
0: But they have to. But here's the problem that most of them also produce scale. Yeah. And once th- that's essentially scale these uh, catalyzers or what is the actual device that does it? As well you have the,
1: the, 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 yeah, electro- the, electrodes, the electrodes, right?
0: Once the electrodes become scaled, yeah.
1: mineral depositions,
0: then they don't work and you're not not only not getting a low pH or a high pH uh, but you're also not getting hydrogen gas. Well it's interesting because certainly reduced.
1: Yeah because the, the the mineral buildup it appears and we didn't know this until the H2Blue was available so we could actually measure, mm-hmm. right? And yeah we see that all of a sudden after a few weeks of use, f- first off, if, if you have a low TDS water, you, you won't even, you, you <coughs> may be able to produce a high uh, pH, m- but you won't have dissolved hydrogen and gas. And sure. this process needs some minerals to, to act as some nucleation sites to dissolve the hydrogen. And then if you do live in a place that has the higher TDS, then after a few weeks of use, then you can get the mineral deposits on the, on the electrodes and it prevents the, the gas from dissolving in the water. Okay, This, that's this why, it look, check the companies, they, all of them will make a big deal about mm-hmm. cleaning the machines, cleaning the electrodes, whether running acidic water or doing a reversing polarity or doing different It's because- And most people don't do that. It, it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah, a, it's lot, a lot like of work. hours of work. It, it, yeah, uh, it, it hour, accumulates. Hour. Yeah. So so yeah, you, you, uh, that build, mineral buildup prevents the gas from dissolving because these water ionizers, they were all developed for an alkaline pH, not, not hydrogen gas, in mm-hmm. fact, in fact, when I was in Japan a few, they a few years ago, not only did they not know, they think about it, if you're a manufacturer and you realize you're producing hydrogen gas, this gas could be toxic. Mm. We don't know. So one of the ideas was actually to produce a machine that <laughs> had the lowest concentration of hydrogen <laughs> gas, but yet is still a high pH, because they wanted it to be safe, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but things are, like, you go to Japan, like Nihon Trim, or, you know, that's one of the Japanese companies, they own the largest market share by 70, 70%, and followed by Panasonic uh, for, for, for this area. Mm-hmm. All of them are changing to hydrogen water. They have their specific machines Their alkaline water ionizers, they make it, okay, pH will not go above, say, 9.5. They add a whole whole different chamber so they can keep the pH low, increase the hydrogen dissolved concentration. So everything in Asia is going away from the alkaline water ionizers and finally to the hydrogen gas.
0: And there's probably still benefit there. But what still has yet to be resolved, because the research hasn't been done, is that you're Still drinking this all day, so you're approaching a continuous infusion, which violates the original principle of making it cyclical or pulsing it. So, may, drinking it, although it might be effective, maybe only want to, you might want to not want to drink it all day long, or have a higher you know, dose.
1: You know, I, I like you very first said, it, we don't know. We need more research because right. if you are drinking it all day long, well, as uh, that's still in some sense an intermittent, but, but maybe it is too close to continuous. Maybe it's yeah. better to take just one high dose in the morning and one at night, or, yeah, we, we don't know. But what we do know, it's it's providing a therapeutic effect. You're yeah. not going to yeah. go wrong. No, you're not going to hurt yourself. There, there, there could be a better way, yeah. yeah. but we need more research to see, right? So
0: uh, I've, I've known you for a few years now. I've been very excited about it and uh, continue to explore it and really excited to hopefully, you know, basically uh, uh, scrub through the details and provide something that would be helpful sometime in the future.
1: Well, I'm sure that your viewers would, would appreciate that. Uh, there's, there's a lot of scam products out there, but uh, I, I, you know, the research is very promising, and, and like I say, it's, it's very very rare that you can come across a molecule that is, is so, so safe but yet has such strong therapeutic potential, right? And a review you know, years ago, 2013, by Loma Linda University, their review article then showed that hydrogen had therapeutic effects for the top eight of the 10 disease-causing fatalities listed by the CDC, the Centers of Disease Control. So when you, when you look at something like that, yes, hydrogen merits more research, more investigation, more clinical studies, And and that's why I'm so passionate about this. And I'm very excited to see where things end up with the hydrogen research. And again, we are a science-based nonprofit. We're working to advance the research, the education, and the awareness of hydrogen as a medical gas. So you're not going to find products and things on our site, but you will find a lot of information. And we do our best to provide what's going on in the hydrogen area.
0: Well, great. Any other concluding comments?
1: Yeah if, I, I hope that you'll review this video and review the information on hydrogen, and although we have a responsibility as maybe researchers, to understand the molecular mechanisms and targets of hydrogen and do clinical studies, because we have a molecule so significant like this and so safe, perhaps it's also your responsibility to share it, mm-hmm. to, to spread the awareness to others, let other people know about it. There are some people who don't have access to medical care, Mm -hmm. that this could really benefit, and there are also those who have access to too much medical care, (laughs) where (laughs) hydrogen can help mitigate the toxic effects of such. Most of the United States. Okay.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. It's been awesome. I'm so glad you were able to trek your way to Chicago in the frigid cold, and uh, (laughs) we're able to provide some really solid information for our viewers. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for watching. Remember, hit the like and subscribe button so you can get more videos that can help you and your family take control of your health.